Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Roger Conrad. Uh, Roger is the uh, preeminent financial advisor on utility stocks and income investing. Uh, he's the editor of Utility Forecaster, Big Yield Hunting, MLP Profits, and Canadian Edge. It's a pleasure to have you on the show, Roger. Thanks, Jordan. Let's just start off with a kind of an overall view on income investing in uh, today's world. Uh, what, what is the advantage of income investing uh, in a, such a particularly volatile time? Well, I think it's a uh, kind of a matter of a bird in the hand versus two in the bush. And obviously, uh, in, in past, previous times, investors could maybe count on um, making a big return from the growth of their investments. And I remember uh, people uh, back in the late 90s actually telling people they didn't need to buy dividend-paying stocks because all they had to do was just sell their um, uh, growth-oriented mutual fund uh, so much every, every so often and uh, live off of that money. And, um, you know, it worked for a while. It worked in 1999 when the NASDAQ doubled, but of course it, it hasn't worked very well, uh, and ever since. And in fact, uh, you know, dividends have become much more important, I think, for, uh, investing. And I think it has become clear that if you want to live off your investments, that you need to have, uh, income. And that, uh, you know, really the, the whole, uh, the whole thing about uh, income and growth being, uh, mutually exclusive and that you can have one and not the other. Uh, it's actually the opposite. I think you, you're not going to have income or growth very long without the other. Now, particularly in today's environment, we have extremely low yield, if not zero, on traditional safe investments like CDs and money market funds and treasury bills and so on. Um, people are nervous about going out of so-called safe alternatives into things with higher yields because they think it's got a high yield. It's got too much risk for them. What do you say to people like that? Well, I think you have to be in dividend-paying stocks if you want to uh, live off your investments. I mean, the, the numbers are just basically dictating that. I think we have seen times uh, throughout the last uh, 10 years, particularly the last three since we've uh, come out of this massive uh, deflationary event in 2008, where um, yields have become very popular, so you see uh, some riskier things being bid up, um, and maybe the difference between something, yield, the yield between something is pretty risky and something is very safe. Uh, really narrowing as investors really weren't making that distinction. But, um, you know, at a time like this, we, uh, you know, the, the good, the, you know, the silver lining of it is that, um, you know, risk is being, um, uh, uh, priced and, uh, priced into stocks. And in fact, maybe a little too much, um, in, in many cases, maybe a little people are maybe, uh, in, imputing a little too much risk into the prices of some of these things and the yields are a little higher than they really should be. So I think that's really the opportunity, obviously. In an environment like this, um, you know, you, where it's a weak economy, and we've had that since, uh, again, since 2008, um, it's, a, it's a slow and jagged pace of growth. I know a lot of people are worried about uh, the economy sinking into recession and so forth. Some people, uh, for them, it's already a recession. But, um, you know, is it looking at, that, you know, various uh, indicators and so forth, the leading indica- economic indicators four months in a row, actually positive readings, um, it looks to me that we're just in the same kind of slow and jagged growth environment with fairly high unemployment, basically very little inflation because um, uh, very no, almost no wage push uh, in inflation. So uh, very hard to get uh, get that going in, the, in this kind of environment. And uh, what that plays to, again, is to, uh, you know, good dividend-paying stocks. And I think there's no substitute for, you know, looking at the individual health of companies, but 
Um, you know, that's, and, and that's something that you have to do every time numbers come out, every time they're development. Doesn't mean you have to trade, but it does mean you have to keep up with developments. Uh, if you're, if you're, if you're able to do that, um, and if you're willing to, to do that, I think you can really capture some fantastic yields. And in fact, um, you know, you mentioned, uh, that, um, that the yields on bonds and so forth are very, very low. Uh, the converse of that is that borrowing rates for corporations are very, very low. And that's very bullish for dividends, uh, earnings and, and dividends for companies. So, um, you know, paradoxically, at a time when people are really worried, uh, it's actually a pretty good time to go out and find, uh, again, good dividend tank stock. Tell us about the tax advantages of dividends today. Uh, and do you think those are going to last uh, past 2013 when uh, new laws may come into effect on the taxation of dividends? Well, I think, you know, the tax rates issue obviously depends on who, uh, what, what party wins, uh, uh, you know, the, the elections in 2012. Um, if it's still a hung jury, more or less, like we have now, or if, um, you know, there's a consensus that says uh, we need lower rates, or if it's a consensus that says maybe rates need to rise on uh, those in the higher tax bracket. I mean, these are somewhat unknowables. I mean, people can vote what they, what they wish to vote for. They can, um, you know, donate money to the particular campaigns. But I think... The main thing for investors, though, is to really focus on, again, focus on the companies, not so much on the tax rates or, or, or these types of issues that we can't really control. Um, you know, the, the, a, a, a well-known investment advisor who's now passed away once said to me, um, you know, I, I, I don't mind paying a million dollars worth of taxes because that means I've made $3 million uh, in that year. I mean, nobody likes paying taxes, but on the other hand, um, you know, what we're really after here is, is total return. Uh, that's what builds wealth for you. That's where you get your income from. And so, you know, I, I've seen a lot of people uh, really make uh, very stupid investment moves just to avoid uh, paying taxes. But, you know, while we have this 15% tax rate, it's obviously very good up and down the board. I happen to be a believer in the, in the dividend tax uh uh, of preferable rates on, on dividend taxes. Uh, you know, obviously there are a lot of investors that have gotten involved. Um, my dividend, uh, my dividend.org, um, or save my dividend.org, um, is, is a, an organization that, um, it's a big petition and, uh, um, politicians have obviously paid some attention to these types of things. So, you know, go about it that way, I think. But, um, again, the main thing we want to focus on is the health of the underlying companies, their ability to grow, uh, and the ability of those dividends to, to, uh, to weather storms such as we're in now. Do you like companies particularly that raise their dividends? Is that something that's important as opposed to having a high dividend? Dividend growth is important to you in picking stocks? Dividend growth, I think, is probably more important uh, you know, at a point than, than, uh, than the actual yields. I mean, obviously, higher yields are better uh, than lower yields, but uh, dividend growth uh, is basically takes care of two things for you. If you're an income investor, you have two major risks. One's inflation. And one is, um, of course, uh, you know, when you have a weak economy, you have dividend cuts and so forth. So you want to guard, always want to be mindful of those things when you're investing in any kind of income investment. And, um, you know, a growing dividend is the best insurance against inflation. It's also the best assurance that uh, a company is, is in good health, uh, is growing earnings, and uh, therefore is the, the current dividend rate is safe. So um, absolutely, if any, and it doesn't really matter how much dividend growth, obviously, um, larger Dividend growth means bigger payout. It probably means earnings are growing faster. But um, you know, I'm, I'm perfectly happy to have a company that has a dividend uh, seven to eight percent and is growing its dividend three percent a year. That's a very good uh, combination of safety and growth. Very good. Uh, the first area that you uh, write about is utilities, and your newsletter there is 
utility forecaster and utility and income. Those are two different ones, correct, in that area? So let's talk a little bit about utilities and what are some of the things that investors should look for in uh, which utilities to invest in and which utilities to avoid. Well, I have an eight-point safety rating system I've had uh, for some years now, and it basically has three major components um, that vary between the various industries I cover. I cover electric, utilities, gas, water, uh, communications, uh, pipeline companies. Um, But uh, what what all these companies have are basically three major um, uh, types of criteria. One would be regulatory criteria, and obviously a lot of these businesses are are very um, big. Uh, they're um, regulated because they're big and because they dominate certain markets. And how the companies get along with those regulators is extremely important. So that's, a, again, a very major uh, component. It's sort of a, a blessing and curse because by having these big dominant markets, companies are able to survive recessions and weather difficult economic times. But the other side of it is, of course, that um, you know if they get into bad uh, relations with uh, the officials in a certain state or on the federal level, then life can become very difficult very fast, and they can see returns cut. Uh, you know, there's a, a case out in, in Texas where the uh, city council of, of El Paso um, now has taken a rate case to Texas, uh, the, the, the Public Service Commission, uh, demanding a, a rate cut on the grounds that El, that El Paso Electric, the utility, is making too much money. So those are the types of situations that investors really want to avoid. Um, so that's one, you know, regulatory criteria. The, um, the financial criteria are important, things like the payout ratio. You want to make sure the dividends being well covered by earnings. Um, uh, you want to know where those earnings are coming from. You want to make sure that those earnings are not, uh, um, um, you know, regulatory, uh, are not, um, uh, you know, un- un- from other businesses, unregulated businesses where companies have gotten in trouble um, in the past with seeing utilities invest in things like insurance companies and so forth. Um, so those, those types of, those types of things. Um, you know, debt obviously is pretty important. Um, and the main criteria for debt, I think, that people should look at is not um, what the absolute level of debt is by a company, but rather um, the um, uh, amount that's coming due in the next couple of years. And if we do see a credit crunch coming from Europe, like a lot of people fear, um, the less debt some, a company has coming due um, over that uh, over that next, uh, you know, uh, 15 months or so, uh, the less vulnerable it is. And the good news on that front is that companies are really not vulnerable uh, to the extent that they even were in 2008 when only a handful really ran into trouble. So um, it's a, that's a, actually a reason to be fairly bullish. Companies have really refinanced and, uh, um, you know, and, uh, and eliminated any kind of near-term risk of that sort on their books. Um, and that's, a, again, a nice, a, a nice bullish um, uh, situation. But you do want to be sure about the individual companies that you own. Um, you know, I also look at uh, what I call operating criteria, and those would be things like how efficiently those assets that a company has uh, are run. Um, say a company that owns a lot of nuclear power plants, a company like Entergy, I'd want to see, um, you know, I want to always keep tabs on how well those plants are running, how many unforced shutdowns or scrams they, they might have had, um, how many safety concerns they've had, what, and bottom line, you know, what sort of um, capacity have they been running at. Um, most nuclear plants in the U.S. Uh, back in uh, 15 years ago uh, were running about 60, 65 percent. Now they're running 90, 90, 90 to 95 percent. But I want to make sure that that's still uh, still the case. So you, you put all those things together. I, I um, talk about uh, a, a rating system. I add up all the ratings that a company meets, and um, you know, the more they meet, uh, the, the more uh, safety I think it safety points I think it deserves in the marketplace. Um, some of the companies out there, you know, can get a lot of safety points and uh, not be worthy buys because people are just overvaluing them. But, uh, you know, in, in most cases, um, 
will want to be more weighted towards the higher rated ones and less towards the uh, the lower rated ones uh, as we go forward. But again, we're looking at the numbers every quarter and uh, of course other developments and, and when things change, we change our numbers. Um, you know, I don't think anybody can afford to be sentimental in this market, even with a group like utilities that has relatively few risks than relative to other stock sectors and which you know, also tend to do well in, in periods like this, like these. Um, but, um, you know, again, uh, um, you know, we want to make sure that the companies we own are, uh, are also, uh, you know, also have those, uh, follow those parameters. Very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest is Roger Conrad. Uh, he is the uh, editor of uh, Big Yield Hunting, Utility Forecaster, MLP Profits, and Canadian Edge. We'll be back after this. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to go green? You've asked and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. If you lead a team of any kind, you need to listen to this show. Tune in to Leading with Emotional Intelligence, hosted by Esther Orioli. Esther provides you with the tools and techniques you need to harness the power of EQ to stop setting goals and start changing behaviors in your organization. Get the latest concepts in EQ from a top-of-the-house perspective and have your questions answered on air. Leading with Emotional Intelligence is broadcast live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Roger Conrad. Uh, He is the uh, editor of Big Yield Hunting, Utility Forecaster, MLP Profits, and Canadian Edge. Welcome back to the show, Roger. Thank you, Jordan. So we were talking about utilities a little bit. Now, you uh, break utilities into different uh, categories. Uh, the first one is what you call the growth portfolio. What do you look for in a growth-oriented utility? And maybe give us a name or two of some of your favorites there. Well, you know, basically, uh, that's sort of a strategy that I follow myself. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still very much working age, and I don't intend to take money out of my uh, accounts for a long time. And what I did uh, some years back and continue to do is own a basket of uh, direct stock purchase plans of, of utilities that I think are in very good shape to grow wealth over the long term. And what I do, I reinvest the dividends in those stocks, and uh, it, it's a pretty much a no-brainer strategy, but again, as long as the company is healthy, um, I'm continuing to buy shares, and of course, when stocks go up and down, um, I can um, uh, get more shares as I reinvest dividends or if I should happen to put more money in, but these, that's been a, 
extremely successful investment program for me. So that's basically what I've been doing in that portfolio since I put it together, which is really goes back to uh, 1989. Um, I'm, again, looking for companies that, uh, and I mentioned the safety criteria. Uh, most of them match up pretty well on that. Uh, what they all do have in, in, in addition to, to those uh, strength characteristics, so it's kind of a growth angle, a way they can grow their earnings in a low-risk way and thereby growing dividends. And uh, as dividends grow, um, again, another aspect of uh, dividend growth that's very positive is that stocks tend to follow uh, rising dividend higher. So, um, you know, an example of, of, those, of those companies would be Dominion Resources, one of them um, that, that I have had in the portfolio actually since um, the, the very inception of it. Uh, it's a company that I actually bought as a, a Virginia resident uh, through a plan that they have that allows um, ratepayers to actually buy uh, small shares in that. And then at the end of the year, um, they, they pool all your money together and, and buy you uh, stock in the company. And, of course, you can buy as much stock as you want uh, as, uh, you know, as, as, your, um, as the year goes on. But um, um, this is a company that uh, the reasons I like it, first of all, very good uh, relations with Virginia regulators. They have uh, something like $10 billion of investments planned over the next uh, five years or so. Uh, the state of Virginia, especially in northern Virginia, is expected to increase demand for electricity by about 20% over the next 10 years. So it's very robust, uh, one, of the, one of the biggest rates, expected rates of growth in the country. And uh, they, they'll make their money just by simply, you know, investing uh, in uh, power lines and new power plants and distribution facilities and so forth. Um, and by every time they spend money in capital, uh, um, um, you know, through the capital spending account, that will go right into rate base, and that will in, in turn uh, increase earnings, increase dividends, and uh, um, so and, and so forth, and, and the stock price going forward. They also have um, a number of um, pipeline connections, uh, and uh, the Marcellus Shale is one of the more prolific um, areas of the country where we're seeing natural gas uh, developed and. and um, uh, and uh, in, in a lot of different areas, and we're really just starting to see that uh, come on. But what we what um, what uh, is the case is that a lot of these properties are ill-served with uh, what's needed to bring that gas to market, meaning gathering systems, pipelines, uh, storage systems, processing systems. Uh, when when we talk about wet gas, where we separate out natural gas liquids like ethane, which is used in plastics, uh, we're talking about fractionation facilities. So. All these things are kind of lacking in the uh, Marcellus Shale area, and Dominion is very well positioned to, to, uh, to handle that demand because they uh, do own a lot of the properties, uh, the gas development properties there. Um, they, some years back, they sold those, but now um, they are providing to the, the companies, the producers that, that bought those properties and are producing from them, uh, they're providing the infrastructure for that. So, again, every time they build something, they make... Um, it pretty much goes right into earnings. It's, it's mostly fee-based income, so um, a producer will have to uh, contract out a certain amount of the property and um, either capacity-wise or, or in a take-or-pay type situation where Dominion gets its money no matter what happens or, uh, or another, um, uh, you know, or, or just simply from usage. But um, however it is, it's very, very steady income. It's pretty much as much as they add assets, they uh, make more money. And one of the um, one of the other uh, you know real blue skies of that area is the um, Coast Point uh, uh, LNG facility, liquefied natural gas. Now, in the United States, pretty much all the uh, and in North America in general, pretty much all the capacity for uh, liquefied natural gas, uh, which basically is uh, you take the gas and and really condense it down into something more uh, resembling oil that you can ship around the world uh, rather than just uh, gas. 
Uh, but but pretty much all the capacity has been uh, built for importing, and uh, this was the, it's the legacy of very high gas prices back in the um, middle part of the last decade. Uh, remembering after Hurricane Katrina, when a lot of the, the, the capacity was shut down in the Gulf, um, you know, gas prices spiked up to the mid to high teens. And uh, of course, in, the, in that period, that's when a lot of these investment decisions were made. A lot of this capacity uh, was made to uh, for importing, such as co- including Cove Point, which Dominion now owns. Uh, but now, um, you know, we're seeing that, uh, you know, there's an interest in actually turning that around and making it so you can export uh, gas. And, of course, the, you know, the huge supplies that are expected to come from the Marcellus shale um, and down through those pipelines that Dominion will own, uh, many of, much of that could wind up at, at Cove Point. Uh, they've been talking to people in, in Asia and Europe and so forth. And, uh, you know, it is an investment. Uh, to turn that around, and, and companies have looked at other, uh, or a lot, a lot of investors have looked at other companies like Chenier, uh, which has had a lot of imp- a lot of really, really leveraged itself to build a lot of import capacity, and you know really doesn't have the resources to to build the uh, you know the, the, the reversal of that. But Dominion does have the money, and that's uh, again a nice possibility as they get more of that Marcellus shale gas down to the middle Atlantic states, down to market, and uh, and uh, as interest does grow in Europe and Asia for um, exported uh, U.S. LNG. So. Um, Again, good. they're a really nice growth story and uh, attached to a very good company, and that's really the core, the, the core holding. That's what I look for. And then you also have in the utility forecaster aggressive holdings. Uh, what are some things you look for in aggressive utility plays, and what would be a name or two of your favorites there? Well, those I'd probably be looking for something that either had a commodity price exposure. I have a company called Energy in there that I've owned for a very long time. They're a gas producer. They actually hedge a lot of their gas production, so it's not a, a, as much of an it's not really as an aggressive of a producer as uh, as some. But um, uh, that's the kind of thing I would have in there. The price tends to be a little more volatile. Uh, we try to buy it opportunistically. I've actually had that one again, also as a, a, a dividend reinvestment uh, direct stock purchase uh, situation. But that kind of thing. I've also right now got a couple of uh, European companies in there. One being Telefonica. Um, which has been very, very successful in Latin America, and, and particularly in wireless, and sales are growing very, very rapidly. Uh, but the stock has really been hit because of what's going on in Europe, and um, obviously the name Telefonica de España, that was the original name of the company. Uh, the original home of that company is in Spain, and even though Spain is now only about 30% of earnings, uh, that's still how a lot of people are valuing it. So, again, that's a situation where we think perception is um, um, much worse than the actual situation with a company. Uh, the dividend is well over 10%, and management has actually said they're going to raise it again uh, in, in 2012. So, um, you know, it's, it, again, anytime you have a very high-yielding situation like that when you're involved in Europe, where, of course, everybody's aware of the problems, and, and uh, Spain uh, is often thought of as going to be the next Italy, and, and uh, you know, a, a, where, you know, financial problems and so forth with the, with the host government. Um, even leaving all that aside, here you have a company that, uh, you know, is making lots of money, and um, uh, it's been very, very successful in terms of sharing that with uh, shareholders via dividend. So it's, uh, um, you know, a little higher risk, a little higher, uh, but much higher potential reward uh, situation. And then you have a conservative portfolio in utilities as well. What kind of things do you put into the conservative part of the utility forecaster? Well, on the on the other side of the coin, you know, I have you know, of course, the um, you know, the, the income, uh, you know, and in, in, in income conservative, um, and that's a that's an attempt to you know really um, buy buy good solid fixed income situations um, in companies that are having proven financials. 
uh, and therefore um, improving financials are the, probably the best counterweight versus inflation. And utilities have a really unique property um, in terms of uh, being able to recover from, from uh, previous woes. And that is that uh, you know no matter what happens, they can pretty much fall back to the to the old business, um, start repairing things, and, and getting get their uh, finances back in order. And uh, you know so if you look at the list there, they're not all the the biggest blue chip credits uh, in in the industry, but they are improving credits. So um, and, and improving credit means uh, gradually appreciating bond price. Um, it, uh, the other thing about this business about those toughest companies right now. Is that um, we've seen you know tremendous up move in in uh, in a lot of markets and and uh, particularly in the bond market because people have, have gone to safety so the the yield to maturity on a lot of these securities are very low right now um, and uh, you know when we you know we started talking about uh, you know dividend paying stocks are really the key to a a good return I, I believe that's the case I mean I think you know this is kind of the converse of it you look at these um, bonds that have done really really well. Uh, for people, particularly since early 2009, which is when we added a lot of them, that was when um, uh, bond yields and particularly uh, even on uh, uh, you know mid mid investment grade companies um, were uh, 500 600 basis points greater than equivalent treasury yields. Uh, so we've come a long way from there, um, and in fact, some of these some of these bonds uh, you know were yielding eight nine percent uh, yield to maturity, or now you know two two percent or less. So. Uh, a lot has changed, and you know the returns aren't nearly as good. But um, the, the whole point, purpose of this portfolio is just to be very, very safe. So even at these very low, meager returns, we're still holding these securities because they're really kind of one, uh, um, one decision investments. We we just hold them, uh, and you know if you can buy them, we hold them, and then uh, uh, basically we know what our return is going to be. So uh, um, they're they tend to do very, very well in all environments, and they did. They're one of the very few groups uh, that, that I know of that uh, did well in 2008. Um, and that was, to a large degree, uh, that, that portfolio we had um, were very, very uh, low-duration low, low duration securities, in other words, maturing in five years or less. And, again, uh, the types of securities where people didn't necessarily bail out of. So um, we actually had positive returns in 2008 on that group, and uh, uh, that's, um, you know, fairly, fairly extraordinary. And it's... That's also been true in, in other environments as well when uh, when the markets fall apart. So a little something different to offer people, even though I would say that you know, my main focus has always been on equities. Yeah. Uh, before we go to a break, why don't you just give them the uh, websites uh, where they can find out more about uh, your various newsletters. And after when you come back, we're going to talk more about Master Limited Partnerships. Well, um, you know, utilityforecaster.com is the, the newsletter we've been talking about. Uh, Utility Forecaster, it's a paper product, but again, utilityforecaster.com, um, you can t- check that out. Also, utilityandincome.com, that's the free, uh, um, weekly version. Um, there's a, there's a paid version of that for, um, for subscribers that has updates on all of our recommendations, including pretty exhaustive earnings reports every time that come out. Uh, but there is a, a, a again a free uh, shorter version, and you can get an idea of what sort of comments that I want, might make. And again, that's utilityandincome.com. Okay, and then uh, for MLPs that we're talking about, what would be the website for that? That would be mlpprofits.com, um, and uh, that's um, uh, you know again that's uh, pretty much focused only on the uh, master limited partnerships. Uh, we every single one in the U.S. And then uh, your Canadian uh, publication. What is the website for that one? And that's CanadianEdge.com, and uh, there's a there's a free version of that. It's called MapleLeafMemo.com, 
and uh, at mapleleafmemo.com. And, again, it's the same sort of format as utility and income. It's got a, a, a free portion uh, and also a, a more extensive portion for, for investors. Um, and, again, CanadianEdge.com talks about it. That's our uh, Canadian uh, publication. It's very uh, a, a coverage universe, about 150 different dividend-paying Canadian companies, which I, I think is, again, an excellent, uh, excellent place to, to, to put some funds. Okay, we're going to get into that after the break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Roger Conrad, uh, who, as you heard, is the editor of Utility Forecaster, MLP Profits, Canadian Edge, and Big Yield Hunting as well. We'll be back after this. markets up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Join Patricia Raskin, the host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday at 11 Pacific. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call to Positive Living, Mondays at 11 Pacific Time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Roger Conrad. Uh, he is the author of Utility Forecaster, MLP Profits, Canadian Edge, and Big Yield Hunting. Welcome back to the show, Roger. Thanks, Jordan. Now we're going to talk about MLPs, Master Limited Partnerships. For people who may not be familiar, why don't you kind of give us the basics on what an MLP is and then uh, how you select them from all the different ones that are out there. Well, MLP stands for Master Limited Partnership, and what it is, it's kind of a construct, uh, an accounting construct and, uh, that uh, allows a company to pay out a pretty big yield and also invest in a business that um, uh, where it's fairly capital intensive and uh yeah, the, the MLPs were set up, um, or at least this particular round of them. Uh, there were some back in the 1980s that really ran the gamut you know, in all sorts of industries. They were cracked down on um, at, at that point. But um, this batch of MLPs originates um, uh, mostly in the last uh, or in the 1990s, and um, with more coming along the way at, at various times as the demand for income has grown. Uh, but the you know the, the ones that we focus on. Uh, the ones we advise people to buy are, are those focused around energy 
and uh, particularly things like producing energy, um, uh, energy pipelines, uh, and, and, and other kinds of infrastructure that, are, that earns fees. Um, these are the kinds of industries that MLP, the MLP legislation, uh, the, the, the tax breaks uh, were um, invented for. So those are the ones we think people should should uh, should focus on. Um, and what are the tax you know, breaks? What are the tax advantages that MLPs have? Well, the main one is the thing called return of capital. And um, you know, when you get a, an MLP uh, dividend, it's not necessarily it's actually called a distribution. It's not really like a common stock dividend. Um, there are different elements of it, and that's because, again, they're passing down pretty much all their profits and losses to the to the investor. So um, what that means is no corporate tax in between you and those dollars. It all, but it also means that a portion of those uh, distributions are not um, uh, are not going to be uh, you know like regular dividends. They're going to be return of capital, and uh, return of capital is very uh, favorable for for the investor in that it basically allows you to not pay uh, taxes on the income the year it's received. Rather, it comes off the cost basis, and, and you pay the tax on it when you sell. So uh, you can pretty much defer taxes forever as long as you have a, a cost basis in a, in a stock. Um, a lot of other investors, when they get uh, ready to will things onto their heirs, uh, will, will simply do that. And then there's a, a one-time step-up uh, in the cost basis. So if you um, should happen to have taken your MLP down to zero, um, in terms of cost basis and trading at 50, um, when that is passed on to someone's heirs, that, would, that cost basis then would go up to 50. So it's a really nice way to um, uh, shelter income, and particularly if you, if you hold it in an account outside of, a, uh, of an IRA. You can hold them inside an IRA. Um, there are some, uh, uh, some, some potential complications if you own a lot of shares, uh, meaning an institution-sized account, uh, you know, 10,000 shares or more of a certain stock. Um, there's some items called unrelated business taxable income that uh, you might own taxes on. Um, if, if you hold these things in an IRA, though, all that UBTI is added up um, over the account, um, and some of the some of your MLPs are actually going to generate negative UBTI. So it's a lot of complications. But the bottom line is that most people don't wind up owing anything holding these things in an IRA. Um, the, the one thing that you can't get away from if you hold them outside an IRA is that you will receive a Form K-1 uh, at tax time. And, uh, you know, of course, a lot of people shy away from that. But that's really, uh, you know, their reluctance, I think, is one reason why these things have remained fairly good bargains over a long period of time. And, you know, if you have a, a decent accountant, uh, they should be able to do this type of thing for you without um, charging you an arm and a leg. And a lot of people do their own K-1s. Uh, without too much difficulty either. It's not the same thing as back in the 80s, when, uh, which a lot of people remember, uh, the, the, the K-1s back then, very, very uh, complicated and, um, you know, you know it's very cumbersome for people. But um, now, A lot know. of MLPs uh, raise their dividends on a regular basis, as we were talking about earlier in the interview. Uh, how can they do it? How can they generate the cash flow to continue to raise dividends? Well, it's sort of the same kind of utility model, and I'm, I'm glad you turned the thing back to the positive. Um, you know, it's sort of the same uh, um, as a utility model. What you have are companies that invest in huge, uh, primarily huge assets. And, you know, I mentioned the infrastructure ones like the pipelines. Every time they uh, build or, or buy a pipeline, um, they're going to probably issue some capital, some debt, some equity capital. But in order to get these deals past their boards, they've got to be accretive to uh, distributable cash flow, and that's, which is the primary account from which dividends are paid. A lot of people are used to looking at stocks and saying, well, earnings per share, you know, have to cover various dividends. When we're talking about MLPs, you know, keep in mind that they 
pass their income directly onto shareholders without paying corporate tax. Earnings per share are really uh, an, an abstraction and, and, and can be very, very misleading when you look at the profitability. But distributable cash flow rises as they build and buy more assets. As they buy and build more assets, they're able to pay uh, bigger dividends, um, and uh, as they pay bigger dividends, what we see is the, um, the company's uh, uh, share price is rising. Um, Enterprise Products Partners is a pretty good example. 28 consecutive quarters of dividend raises. Um, average rate, uh, average annualized rates about five to six percent a year. So um, they were they've been able to raise their dividend five to six percent a year. Uh, even in some of the most difficult periods for the American economy. 2008, when uh, the price of oil, which some people benchmark MLP prices to, but it was erroneously, uh, but uh, there we had um, $150 oil, or over over $150 oil coming down to less than $30 oil over a period of time. We have enterprise products partners, those continuing to raise dividends. Again, as they put these capital projects into work, they their, their customers are... Uh, you know, primarily uh, big oil companies, so some of the best payers in the world, more creditworthy than, than many governments, um, and maybe even most governments at this point. And, uh, um, again, it, it just, uh, uh, it's a very sure formula for growth. It's proven itself in all different environments. And uh, by increasing these dividends over time, uh, pushing, they push, they not only push uh, investor um, uh, distribution yields higher, but also the, the prices of the underlying securities and it's, it's one of the best um, formulas for profits I've seen out there. Uh, again, I mentioned the shale uh, the, the development around the country. These companies are really stepping in there and filling that, and, and there's really almost an endless number of potential new projects uh, as these new uh, areas are developed. Bakken shale, in particular, uh, with light oil, with a different kind of infrastructure from natural gas, but um, very much underserved. And so there's a lot, as that production comes out of the ground, uh, and we're seeing people transported via truck and other uh, methods. Um, you know, there's a huge need for more pipelines, more types of, uh, of, of that kind of infrastructure to get it out of the ground and get it to market. So they've got that. They've also got a very the lowest corporate borrowing rates in 50 years, um, and it means very, very low capital cost for them to, to do almost any project. Almost any low-risk project is, uh, but, but it can be very, very profitable. Um, now, as far as the stocks trading, you, you were saying they don't trade on oil and gas prices as much. They trade more on the value of the distribution. So explain that, because people might think if oil prices went way down, that would be very bad for MLPs. Is, is that an incorrect perception? Well, you know, it's, it's, there's actually two sides of that. I mean, I think um, on the perception side, you, you could look, you could see uh, some of the prices of these things coming down. And in 2008, it was a very violent correction, of course. A very, you know, and um, and even these MLPs like Enterprise, uh, you know, did sell off uh, fairly heavily. But what the difference was was that as a business, uh, they held together very, very well and were able again to increase their dividend over that time. And so, as the mar- when the markets did calm down, they were one of the very first things to come back. And uh, since uh, shot on to new all-time highs, well above where their highs were uh, before the crash. So. Um, Again, they, they were, they, they've been able to continue growing as a business throughout uh, very difficult times. Investors had a hard time recognizing that in those panic days of, uh, of 2008. In fact, I noticed Enterprise a couple of days dropping uh, 10% a single day. But for those who could you know, weather that kind of volatility, and I think if you own anything this side of treasury bonds, you have to, you're going to have to weather that. Um, these things, did, again, did, came out of that extremely well. And there's nothing like a, a company that's increasing its dividend, even in these bad times, to really disprove 
um, all the uh, the negative sentiment surrounding it. What would be another example of an MLP that you would like different from enterprise? Well, um, you know, the, the, the oil-based enterprises talk a lot about in terms of natural gas, natural gas liquids, uh, you know, and things like ethane, which um, uh, which are, are, are a substitute for petroleum and producing plastics, and the fact that Texas can uh, actually produce uh, plastics uh, cheaper than Saudi Arabia at this point. Uh, Genesis um, Energy uh, Energy Partners, uh, GEL is a symbol. Um, they're all, they're all, they're known as more or less the oil of um, or, or the the you know, the, uh, the enterprise of oil. And uh, same sort of story again. They're building uh, a lot of new assets, and every time they build something. Um, you know, a pipeline or a processing facility or a storage facility. Uh, it, it pretty much just goes right into earnings. They're a little bit smaller than enterprise, but they've had a little bit faster growth rate. Uh, they've actually been able to grow their dividend pretty close to 10% a year, actually over 10% a year uh, for the last uh, uh, four years. So uh, that also takes you back through some pretty difficult uh, operating times. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I think uh, i and it yields actually a little bit more than enterprise as well. So that's another one people I think should look at. Are there some mutual funds or ETFs as a broad-based way of uh, buying MLPs? Are there any you recommend there? Well, there are um, there are um, uh, ETFs and there there's um, uh, and there are um, uh, some funds and, and closed-in funds like the Tortoise Fund. Uh, there's an Alarian MLP index uh, ETF. Uh, the Alarian is the 50 largest energy-producing. Um, uh, MLPs out there, or, or energy-focused MLPs, rather. Some are producers, some are uh, most are infrastructure. Um, but generally, we tend to like the individual uh, MLPs. I think you know, all too often, people uh, when they get um, or when they when they buy an ETF, you're just sort of playing a trend in a sector. Uh, if the sector is hot and people want to own it, then uh, you know you'll they'll uh, you know they, you know that the ETF will go up. Uh, if, if it's not, then it goes down. Um, but uh, if you own individual companies, you really get the full benefit of, of the research that you're going to put in uh, in terms of uh, how fast the company is growing its dividend, what is it, uh, or, or distribution, what is it, um, what is it doing to grow that distribution? How uh, how uh, volatile um, is that basic business? Um, I think that is those are really invaluable um, uh, advantages uh, when you're looking at a, at, an, at, a, at a group like this, which is really a, a, a fly spec. Um, and, uh, you know, they're um, in, in the broader investment universe. If you add up the entire market capitalization of the Alarian, uh, the Alarian 50, and, uh, you know, if you add them all together, you're still looking at a total market capitalization at half that of ExxonMobil. So, uh, you know, one, which is admittedly a huge company, but MLPs are a very small uh, sector of the universe. There are, um, they are inviting some more research, but I do think that there are uh, plenty of opportunities there where, um, the research is not, uh, or, 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 the, or the buying is somewhat uh, not reflecting true potential and true risk and, and yield of these things. So I think you can, um, uh, again, really uh, do well by trying to pick into picking individual MLPs over uh, ETFs or funds. Very good. And again, the website for the uh, MLP profits is mlpprofits.com, and you get into this in, in much more detail. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Roger Conrad. Uh, he is the editor of MLP Profits, uh, also Big Yield Hunting, Utility Forecaster, and Canadian Edge. And after the break, we're going to talk about investing in Canada and all the different ways of getting high yields in an uh, economy that really is doing quite well. We'll be back after this.
market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Intense and intelligent. Catch Kevin, unscripted and uncensored, keeps you informed of the ideological, theological, and economic war being waged against the United States of America. Kevin Lehman's bold and brilliant style challenges your deepest held beliefs and provokes you to ask the hard questions. Religious, scientific, political, or financial, Kevin is holding the establishment's feet to the fire. With high-profile guests that include politicians, economists, theologians, and business titans, he'll demand truth over tradition and facts over fiction. Full of passion, wisdom, and wit, Kevin's transparent and no-nonsense style make Catch Kevin unscripted and uncensored. The go-to show for real insight on business, politics, social issues, and breaking news. It's time to get real, America. It's time to tackle the tough issues head on. Tune in to Catch Kevin, unscripted and uncensored, Mondays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Business Channel. If you are looking for creative ways to improve your bottom line, tune in to Make Your Move with Alan and Brian Bolio. Their proven track record of helping businesses enhance their profitability will provide the basis for a forum about actionable items based on a business person's perspective. The program will be business talk, but with an economic context, so you'll know how to stay ahead of the game. Make Your Move is broadcast live every Monday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Roger Conrad. Uh, he is the editor of MLP Profits, Utility Forecaster, Big Yield Hunting, and Canadian Edge. And I want to talk about Canadian Edge. What, what is the um, attraction for American investors investing in Canada these days? Well, there are a couple. I think uh, you know, one is just the fact that that country, unlike the U.S., uh, didn't over-leverage back in the, in the last decade and, and came out of it in much better shape. Uh, and... Um, they sort of also uh, combine all the better aspects of the U.S. economy, meaning uh, you know the resource uh, side, the the Asia focus, and so forth. But certain, again, certain parts of the United States are benefiting very much from that. Um, but uh, you know, Canada probably more so as, as a country. Um, so there there are a lot of companies there that are in, in very good shape. They have a, a, what I call the discipline of dividends, um, and that means that they are just used to operating. Under a model where they pay out a huge amount of their um, uh, earnings and in, in, in their cash flow to to investors, and then that makes them make uh, prudent capital decisions about what they have left. Um, and uh, this is something that, that started when a lot we had a lot of a lot of these companies were organized as income trusts. Of course, uh, in 2011, a new tax kicked in on the income trust, and most of them converted to corporations. Uh, so now you have companies that have actually not only Proven that they can operate over a long period of time, paying out dividends and 
um, and, and making prudent capital decisions, but also doing that and absorbing uh, corporate taxes at the same time. So, um, you know, that's, a, a, again, a very strong story, and I'm very much focused on picking individual companies um, in, in various areas rather than, um, you know, trying to operate from, from uh, 3,000, 30,000 feet and, and looking at the hotter sectors. But um, How is that affected when they did change that law? Uh, to start taxing what used to be income trusts that used not to be taxed, and they became corporations. What what happened to those companies? Are, are they still as attractive as they were before? Well, I tell you what, it made my job a lot more difficult uh, when they did pass that because it did force me to really look even harder at the various companies. It forced those companies to work a lot harder. Uh, but what we saw was, um, you know, and I think that the supposition was that was that uh, you know companies, you know, when they passed the tax, was that we'd see. You know, a wave of bankruptcies, a wave of dividend cuts, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, what we had was a first a wave of takeovers. A lot of companies just sold out. But um, as we got closer to 2011, um, more and more companies really began telling us that they were uh, able to maintain this, the distribution rates that they were paying as trust and just simply absorb the taxes when they converted. And we saw, um, you know, a huge number of companies uh, do that. Um, as we got into, you know, as, as they started converting in 2011. Of course, we had the 2008 debacle in between. Uh, Energy-producing uh, income trusts uh, had to had to cut dividends over that time, some several times, um, because of that um, uh, steep fall in energy prices. But that's, of course, how they'd always been. The big surprise for people, though, was that the tax itself uh, really was not that, turned out to be not that big of a deal for most of the companies, in fact, um, in, in some cases, companies uh, held their dividends, um, realized a huge uh, benefit in their share price, and have been able to grow uh, in size uh, pretty dramatically uh, because of having a higher, um, a higher equity value, higher value of equities, and uh, being able to do uh, more advantageous financing. So, what, what would be two examples of that, Roger? Of companies that have maintained their dividend, and because of a strong acquisitive position, were able to acquire other companies. Well, there's, there's one at um, Crescent Point Energy, and, and uh, they had a presence in the uh, Bakken, um, and particularly in light oil, which has, of course, been a good area to be in. That's about 93% of their production. But back in 2009, they elected to convert to a corporation, um, and uh, they told everybody they would not be cutting the dividend. Stock um, uh, took off, went up about 50%, and that's when they did uh, several accretive mergers. So uh, that enabled them to increase their stake in the Bakken shale area as well as some other uh, areas that uh, they're now developing. And as a result, they've been able to accelerate their production and um, um, and uh, and do very well uh, just, again, simply by increasing or by maintaining the same dividend they paid as a trust uh, after they converted to, to a corporation. So that's, that's one very good example. Another um, outside the energy industry um, <laughs> with the um, uh, – or, or actually another one in the industry, energy uh, producing industry would be Vermillion. Energy, uh, same kind of story. Uh, conservative finances. They had uh, um, presence in, in Europe, Australia, also uh, in North America, and in, in producing. So about 60% of their output is in uh, uh, Brent crude, uh, or price to Brent crude. Um, and um, again, they were able to maintain their dividend as present was throughout 2008, and they also maintained it uh, when they converted to a corporation. Um, outside the um, the um, uh, energy producing um, business, a uh, large number of, of, of companies, uh, uh, all the um, pretty much all the energy what I call energy infrastructure companies that own pipelines and so forth, uh, did not cut their dividends. And actually, some of them, uh, companies like Sierra Facilities and Convena Pipeline and Interpipeline, actually increased their dividends 
um, as they uh, converted to, to, to corporations. Uh, Brookfield uh, Renewable Energy, which is a um, right now uh, uh, the largest uh, hydro producer in the in the in the pure play uh, hydro producer in the world, um, those able to do the same thing. Again, they have, actually have not converted to a corporation. Um, so, um, lots of many, many different companies. Uh, we had to work to find them, uh, but um, they held their dividends and uh, their share prices have, have benefited. They're now at much higher levels even than they were. Uh, before uh, the, the so-called Halloween massacre, uh, October th- uh, 31st, 2006, when Jim Flaherty, the finance minister there, first announced the uh, attacks on trust. And uh, are there some other Canadian uh, companies that are not kind of income-oriented that you would also uh, like in in Canada? Um, well, you know, I pretty much mostly focus on the on the income uh, companies, but I do think, um, particularly if you look at uh, some of the companies in, in uh, gas production that are uh, really boosting uh, boosting their output. A company called Advantage Energy um, would be one that somebody might want to take a look at. Very depressed. It trades right now. Uh, um, I, I think the latest valuation I saw was about uh, it trades the share market value is about a third of the uh, value of the reserves they have in the ground. So um, um, those are the types of, of opportunities I think you can have if you uh, you know look off the page in terms of, of, of dividends. Most of what I do cover though in Canada. Is dividend focused because I, I did leave out one huge advantage of owning uh, dividend, uh, companies that pay dividends in, in uh, Canadian companies. That is, they pay dividends in Canadian dollars, and uh, the Canadian dollar uh, being something of a resource currency, uh, being backed by a stronger banking system, a government that's uh, mostly in balance, uh, a growing trade with Asia um, is uh, is very much on uh, on in a position of strength versus the U.S. dollar. Um, you know, as markets, have, it, it, when we see markets come apart and the investors scurry back to the uh, the U.S. dollar and, and U.S. treasuries and so forth, uh, we've seen some retreating. Um, but um, every time we see the retreat, the Canadian dollar retreats a little bit less. And uh, I think it's um, you know a very nice uh, bonus for U.S. investors because um, they, if they get dividends paid in Canadian dollars, Canadian dollars rising, um, that do- that U.S. dollar value of those uh, dividends continues to rise. So it's sort of like a, an extra built-in dividend cut um, in addition to what the companies themselves are doing. Very good. Okay, we've covered a lot of ground. Thanks so much. My uh, guest this hour in the Money Answer Show has been Roger Conrad. Uh, he's the author, the, the uh, editor of Utility Forecaster, MLP Profits, uh, Big Yield Hunting, and Canadian Edge. Uh, thanks so much for being a, a guest on the show, Roger. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Jordan. And we'll be back again with another edition of the Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.